Hi, uh, and welcome to the first inaugural uh, taping of the Words and Guitars podcast. I am your co-host, Michael Petter. I'm here with my co-host, Zachary Lopez. Hi. 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 Uh, so, in case you're wondering, like, who are these people? Why are, am I listening to this? What is this? I don't know why you're listening to this. Maybe you're a fan of me or Zach or Tom, <laughs> or maybe you just like music podcasts. I don't know. But basically, since 2014, Zach and I have been running a reading series at the New York Bar Hi-Fi where we get our friends and people we admire and don't really know, but we beg them to do it anyways to come out and read pieces. Uh, It's supposed to be about music, but it often goes off topic, and we love it when things go off topic. And uh, it's always a lot of fun at the New York Bar Hi-Fi, best bar in New York. And a few months ago, uh, Zach and I decided, like, it would be kind of cool if we made this a podcast, so here we are. What we're going to be doing is inviting uh, our friends or people we don't know is fine also and is having a conversation about music. What Future music, friends. What? Future friends. Future friends because yeah. it's all about making friends in life. Uh, you know, find, you know, bringing people in and talk about music, why we love music, why we've kind of in a way dedicated our life to music and so on and so forth. Uh, and today's guest is the illustrious Mr. Tom Hawking, former editor-in-chief of uh, Flavor Bar? Yeah, editor-in-chief until this Friday, so I assume by the time people listen to this, I will be former editor-in-chief. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, so before we get into the topic, which is going to be uh, road trip music, uh, what have you been listening to lately, and how's your week been going? Uh, my week's been going well. Um, I am sort of working frantically to get things, you know, kind of get all my ducks in order by the time I leave Flavor Wire. So... Um, I have been listening to kind of, um, it's a very chill sort of music. Um, I have been listening to like Grouper and um, uh, what else have I been listening to? Um, William Basinski, Disintegration Loops, um, Juliana Barwick, you know, just just nice, relaxed, calming kind of music. Uh, but Disintegration Tapes and Grouper, that's kind of like the audio version of, ambi- of, uh, of Ambient. Yes. Say, yeah. Yeah. It'll absolutely. definitely take your emotions down in a good way. Yeah. Which group album? Um, I like them all, honestly. Um, I really like the first one, um, "Dragging a Dead Deer Up a Hill," because I feel like that's oh, yeah. the one that's got the most coherent kind of songs on it. Um, the rest of her records tend to just sort of blur into one another in a very nice fashion. But um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like "Dragging a Dead Deer Up a Hill" has has the songs that you can kind of pick out and be like, I really like that song. It's the most groupery grouper album. Like, if you need something at the end of the day to kind of, like, take it down a few notches, that will do it for you. Yeah. Zach, do you listen to music to relax? I never, I've never actually seen you relax. I listen to the Gorilla Biscuits to relax. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I've, and, I've, and I've never heard grouper. Yeah. You've never and, heard and, grouper? And, and I've never heard Juliana Berwick. And, and, I, and, I've, and I've devoted seemingly weeks of my life to reading about disintegration loops and I've never listened to that either. But um, I'm, I mean, I'm sure they're all great. They are I, great. I, don't, I, don't, I don't doubt it, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't, I, I mean, I, I listen to music to, to relax, but, um, but uh, not, I guess I don't listen to relaxing music to relax. Yeah. Yeah, I get in, that. In the parlance of our times, as you used to say, you've got no chill. Um, yeah, I guess I don't. You know, I did. I guess. I mean, I, I'll listen to. I'm gonna mispronounce his name. Avo Part. Okay. Avo Part. Is that, you, you, I think, yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. The the composer, which is, I guess, relaxing, mm-hmm. but um, or sad or something. I don't know. I you know, I I never know what emotions music is supposed to make me feel, because every time I sort of read something, we're like, oh, this made me feel this. I'm like, well, that I, that, does, that seems alien. How but, dare you tell me how I should feel? Yeah, well, I'm sure there's a, there's an aspect that's just me being contrary. I don't deny it. You know, I'm a perpetual adolescent, but I uh, I also just don't I I don't I don't I don't have the same response. I, I mean, I, I, then we get into the sort of like weird precious like I don't have the same response as everybody. Yeah, maybe the colors I see are different than what you see. <laughs> um, I don't mean it that way. I mean, but I'm, I feel like I'm basic too. I, don't know, I feel like music doesn't necessarily dictate your mood as much as it kind of reflects it. You know. Mm-hmm. Like, I tend to listen to things that, you know, I tend to listen to sad music when I'm sad. Right. Or when I'm happy. I just yeah. always listen to sad music. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, there are certain things that are like, you know, like Leonard Cohen, I listen to 
when I'm sad because it sort of backs up the sadness, but also makes me feel better. Like, I mean, there are certain mm. things, you know, I'm not yeah. just constantly being like, oh, I listen to you know, yeah, sheer totally. terror when I'm sad and I listen to, you know, hip hop when I'm happy and I'm just crazy. But I mean, uh, I listen to Leonard Cohen at the gym, so. Uh, yeah, that's, well, that, that, that makes sense. I, I mean, see that. Well, cause it, um, any of them, honestly, um, it just, I find the gym such an objectionable experience on its own. Like the last thing I need is like banging fucking high energy dance music to kind of motivate me. Like mm-hmm. I do not need to be motivated. I yeah. loathe motivation. So um, yeah, I listen to Leonard and he kind of I guess, he kind yes. of shepherds me through the experience. Some death of a ladies man when you're doing squats. Yeah. Uh, old ideas when it's arm work. Well, um, he's, he's very, but the thing is, he is very like the music is still very driving. Yeah, yeah. more yeah, so than really. a lot of other sad music. It's not atmospheric music. Mm-hmm. It's not background music. Yeah, it's something yeah. to listen to, and and it's also a lot of times it's a narrative. So while you're following like famous blue raincoat, yeah, red raincoat, yeah, blue, blue, raincoat, blue raincoat, you know, and you're like, oh fuck, it's coming, it's coming, you know, this is the, yeah. here, here, here it comes, and you know, and then you're, I guess, fit or whatever it is you go to the gym for. Yeah, the end, while you're listening to like this narrative of this lost lady in Scientology, it helps you stay focused when you're on the treadmill. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is true. Great. So, Zach, what are you listening to this week? Or you one would think that I had actually prepared an answer to this or thought of giving it any thought whatsoever, but uh, I wouldn't want you to prepare anything. That would that would be terribly <laughs> offright, and I won't hear of it. <laughs> um, yeah, let's get back to that. All right, <laughs> it's a hard question to answer, man. It kind of caught me on the hop as well. It's like people ask you at parties, like, oh, you write about music. What music have you been listening to? And you're just like, Ugh. Well, part of the problem is my, my computer is, is made out of chewing gum. <laughs> so um, a lot of times I've been sort of like, I've been trying to download music, you know, because I either download it or I buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, I rarely stream it for whatever, you know, amorphous, moral or lazy reasons. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, and I, so basically it's my listening this week has been me, the sound of me cursing while watching a pinwheel on my computer, mm-hmm. um, while trying to download like the new cloakroom. Right. So, uh, I know from, uh, we both been enjoying the new album by Algiers. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like I've listened to Algiers. That's right. Yeah. Um, I hadn't heard the new one actually. Um, I really liked the, They put out a record a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah self title out. Two years ago. Yeah, right. So and I really liked that one, and I saw them live and thought they were really good. But, yeah, um, yeah I haven't got around listening to the new one yet. But everyone seems to be talking about it. So. Yeah, uh, the, the new one, Underside of Power. I think it's really good. It already seems to be getting kind of a weird, muted reception, I noticed, in the press, which I think is strange. I think it's obviously, like, a really kind of bold, forward-thinking thing. Mm. But a, a muted reception, you say? I would, I would no, thought- I, I agree. I, I think, I think, I, mean, I, I think, I think uh, Algiers is um, a rock band that... Um, I think on the face of it, a lot of critics want to like and then don't. And I yeah. love them. Yeah. I think they're fantastic. But I think that um, not to immediately get into like some sort of viciousness, but I guess that's why I'm here. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, in terms of sort of political rock music, um, most critics still just want it to sound like either a to B hardcore, mm-hmm. which they still won't listen to in the privacy of their own home, but they can at least talk about it. Yeah. Um, or they want it to sound like Bruce Springsteen or the replacements. Yeah. And that's all they want. Or Bob Dylan. Or Bob Dylan. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess, well, I guess. Depends how old the critics and critics. Right, right, right. Yeah, but I mean, like current bands. I mean, I guess I, don't, I wouldn't be able to think of anybody that actually sounds like Bob Dylan now. I mean, that's a blessing, really. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry by me. But, uh, but whereas I think there's a really sort of embraceable, uh, protest rock sort of thing that critics can can understand yeah and where where algiers is a really it's a they're they're a thorny proposition mm. you know it's funny the, the springsteen revival or like not even revival but just sort of newfound acceptance of because i don't know i feel like 10 years ago everyone thought he was just like hella corny well maybe Could, maybe not in america i, think I don't this, know I in think australia point, they definitely did we in Australia, sport. they did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, in America, they didn't. Yeah, yeah. right. They, they did. So this it's is, always been a kind of, yeah, you know, it's like, like blue-collar New Jersey kind of thing. Well, and he's always been the sort of guy that, that you know, um, punks and everybody sort of agreed on. And people that anyone that liked guitar right, music kind right. of liked. There wasn't always seven million bands that kind of, like, aped him. Mm, um, mm. And 
you know, or even at the time, 10 years ago, we would call that like region rock. And it was just this region sort of rock. Region, region rock. I've never region, heard that term. Region yeah, rock was, you know, it was a subdivision like of like sort of bands that sound kind of like against me. Yeah, they had yeah. beards. Um, who like the uh, one I'm playing, like Dillinger Four at right. Ask Bands, but they were smaller. Or Defiance Ohio. Off, yeah, Defiance Ohio. Well, they were, yeah, folkier, but less folky than Defiance. But um, off with their off with their heads. Yes. like that would be. And they all loved Bruce Springsteen, and mm. they loved unbuttoned flannels, and they loved fist pumping beards. Yeah, they're yeah. fist pumping pumping. I think a big part of that is just like at some point we as a country and society like we love corn. Coriness is not a problem. In fact, like just <laughs> be unabashed. If you get too schmaltzy, it's totally fine. That's what this country is. Own it. Yeah, so that's a very American thing, I yeah. think. Um, I don't know, Australia sort of falls halfway between America and, and Britain as far as music culture goes. And I feel like the Brits like never embrace that. Yeah. They're always kind of incredibly skeptical of, of anything like straightforward and sincere well, well, yeah. is, is that true of australia because i mean this is something besides like lots of australian music that i like mm. but certainly- and for those who don't know our, our guest tom is uh, born and raised in australia yes yes indeed what in, part uh, in melbourne yes go on um yeah in case that wasn't readily <laughs> apparent to the listeners yeah, so you know. want to make sure um the uh yeah I, you know as you know I'm a, I'm a bartender and um australians that come in generally unless they sort of have the like goth signifiers where i'm like okay they're gonna like nick Nick cave Mm -hmm. um generally and i and i know it's not fair and i'm not trying to generalize about well i'm I'm absolutely trying to generalize about yeah yeah yeah. um males Mm -hmm. young men from australia have the worst fucking taste in music of any country i've yet to encounter wow they're probably from queensland yeah, what? they're probably from Queensland. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like Australia's Florida. Ooh. Um, well, they generally want to hear classic Florida, rock. I'm like classic, classic rock. Classic rock. They and, love classic rock. And, like, um, what are we talking about? Bruce Springsteen? Yeah, well, <laughs> like Rolling Stones. Right, Rolling right. Stones. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I, and I guess I'll sometimes be, be like, think I'm trying to be, like, very nice or clever, and I'll be playing this, like, other Australian stuff that I think you and I yeah, enjoy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, pff, nothing. What the fuck's this, mate? Yeah. Do, do the Australians you tend to meet, both of you, do people go hard for Midnight Oil there still? <laughs> Sorry, somebody else asked me about Midnight Oil recently. Um, and all due respect, Beds Are Burning, that's a great song. Oh, great album, man. Yeah. The dude Blue is Sky like, Mining is okay. The yeah. dude is like almost seven feet tall and you have to respect that. Is, yeah. he, is, he, still, he's still in the, is he in the government now? No, but his political it? career like killed them. I don't know. I feel like, I think they've reformed recently and yeah. I feel like perhaps they're starting to kind of be accepted again, but his political career was such a fucking disaster that it just, I mean, it not only ruined him, but it ruined any sort of affection for the band because, you know, they're like, you know, very overtly political and outspoken yeah. and stuff. And, but then when it was time to kind of walk the walk, yeah, it, it just, he it didn't. didn't, no, no, he didn't. He oh, didn't well, I, I thought like, maybe he was too do? strident. But he was, no, I mean. I don't know. It depends, I don't know anything about it. It depends on who you ask, I think. Um, but basically, he, he took up a position with the Labour Party, which is like the Australian equivalent of the Democrats. Mm. And he was, as I recall, he was the Minister for the Environment for a while and then just kind of disappeared off to the backbench. And people got on him for, you know, like voting for things that one would not have expected him to vote for because he, he towed the party line, right, etc. Right, right, and and right. He, he just sort of disappeared into the political machine. And who, one of the guys from, uh, sorry to just, I guess we're just going to quiz you about every single Australian <laughs> yeah, band in the history of time because you were born in Australia. So you have to talk about it till you die. Yes. Um, the guy who became, is one of the guys from Rose Tattoo that's become sort of like the right wing. Oh, Angry Anderson, the uh, singer. Yeah. 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 Um, or is this, I mean, these are just things. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't remember too much about it, okay. but yeah, I think he, you know, he's on his Facebook posting about, you know, enough fucking immigrants in this country and that sort of shit. So, yeah. He's, he's an angry So weird man. that the guy from Rose Tattoo I know, would could become, possibly have seen it. you know, a conservative a firebrand. Okay, so uh, today's topic, such as it is, <laughs> is... Uh, ah, yes, the topic. Yeah. And uh, feel free to go off topic, but we're scored like about road trip music. Right. And what do we listen to 
when we're traveling and how does it sort of enhance the experience. So to start things off, you are about to go on a worldwide trip, not just cost country. I am, yeah. And tell us about it and why are you doing this and what is it that kind of motivated this? Um, so I've been at Flavorware for like four years um, and that's a, that's a pretty decent stint at any job. Like, you know, I have very much enjoyed it, but I think it's, it's time to move on. Um, sadly, my mother died recently and Sorry I, that. And I um, you know, was inverted commas lucky enough to inherit a bit of money off her, like, you know, not heaps, but some. So um, my girlfriend and I have wanted to travel together for a long time. I've been wanting to get out of New York for a bit just for, you know, personal health reasons. Um, so, so yeah, we're, we're kind of hitting the road. We're going to the West Coast for a wedding um, first. We're heading there in early July. And we're going to hang about there for a couple of weeks. Then we're going to go to Mexico for a little while. Um, I just kind of want to want to sit on a beach somewhere and mm-hmm. just kind of chill and get healthy and sleep and stuff. And um, then if all goes to plan, we're going to go to Europe for a while and just kind of just kind of drive around and see where we get to. So, yeah, it's very exciting. I can't fucking wait, man. Sounds great. When do you start? Um, so we leave on the 2nd of July. Um, that's when we go to the West Coast and we'll go to Mexico in sort of mid-July, I think. How long do you think this trip will last? Um, I don't know. As long as the money lasts, probably. Yeah, um, yeah unless I have a compelling reason to come back here. Um, or, you know, unless I just get sick of it and miss New York, we might come back. But... But yeah, you know, kind of indefinitely, it would be nice to just sort of not have to work and worry about shit for a couple of months at least. Yeah, it's a very terribly romantic notion. Oh, it really of- is. It really, really is. Um, it's unashamedly so. Um, yeah, and I am embracing it. Yeah. So you have no idea when you're returning is what you're saying? No, um, I'm supposed to be in Australia for November, so I'm thinking we might sort of make our way eastwards um, and maybe eventually sort of hop a flight through Asia and get to Australia that way and then come back to New York for sort of start of December. But No, yeah. uh, every great road trip, even if you're flying, mm-hmm. every road trip you sort of like want to know like what are you going to be listening to, what's going to make this like enhance the memories for the good stuff and make the bad sloggy part travel, which you'll have to go with like bearable. Uh, what are your kind of go-to things? Um, I mean, it's funny, uh, the, the last time I did something like this was, you know, many, many years ago, like 2000, I think when I was living in London and I just went backpacking through Europe for a couple of months on my own. Um, and on that trip, I listened to heaps of the clash. I'd, I'd just really, really gotten into the clash and mm-hmm. I was reading, as you do. Yeah. I was reading, oh, what's his name? I think Paul Thomas is history of the Spanish civil war. Okay. Um, and yeah, I had all these these romantic notions of going to you know parts of Spain where you know certain things happened during the Spanish Civil War and kind of I don't know just like soaking up the atmosphere and shit. No, that really happened. I just sort of dosed around in Madrid, but um, but yeah, I listened to the Clash heaps, and that was all that was all terribly romantic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I also listened to lots of Red Hot Chili Peppers, especially that song Road Trippin'. One thing I've always respected about you is that you are loud and proud on social media about your love for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, no matter what people say. Yes, this is true. I will stick by them. What is it about, so tell me about the song Road Trippy, and what does it mean to you when you're on a trip? <laughs> I mean, let's, let's dive into this more. Road Trippin' is a very straightforward song about road trippin', and thus is like a good thing to listen to when you are road trippin'. Yeah, um, you can't get more obvious. <laughs> it doesn't really go any deeper than that, but yeah. I don't know, I mean, I think everybody has bands that hold personal significance to them, you know, even, yeah. even if they are, on reflection, objectively kind of whack. Yeah. I mean, um, how, how deep into the catalog do you, I mean, do you, do you buy, when a new Red Hot Chili Peppers album comes out, no, do you buy it? No, okay. no oh. I don't. Oh. I, I sort of, I jumped off about 2000 or so. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think John Frusciante, who was the guitarist throughout mm-hmm. the 90s until he, well, not throughout the 90s, he left in the mid 90s to go and do like lots and lots of heroin. But then came yeah. back. And but, so his solo albums back. are. Oh, his solo albums are quite a thing. Yeah, they're quite a thing. I, yeah. think that's, that's, I think that's, that's the perfect critical assessment of them. <laughs> yeah. They are quite a thing. Yes, indeed to they record, are. To record only water for 10 days. That's a. Uh... Yeah, no, I mean, he, he recorded a couple of albums when he was, he was deep into the smack. Um, and they're weird. They are weird as they fuck. They are Jandek level weird. He's yeah, not getting enough yeah. credit for just being like outsider art. Yeah, 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 well, absolutely. I feel like that even at the time they were trying to push, push it as, see that, I think that's why I kind of like, I would always got my back up because it was always this, so like, this is so weird. This is so weird. And, and you know, when, yeah. I, and, and, and it was, it is weird. It yeah. is weird. But you know, I, I think 
Jandek was, you know, people sort of determined it was weird. They were allowed to decide it was weird on their own. Mm-hmm. Whereas <laughs> Without being John told. Yeah. Just, and that was, I think that was always the thing with Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I'm, you know, to even taking them seriously, mm. which, you know, and I, I owned uh, Mother's Milk happily. Yeah. And, right, right. Um, it, yeah. Well, well, okay. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Zach is looking skeptical here. Listeners. Well, you know, you know uh, you know, I think it's really dangerous to get into like the sort of received wisdom of everything they do is garbage and they're a punchline and I don't want to do that. And I certainly still have songs of theirs that get stuck in my head, you know, but I also don't know that I ever feel, you know, an urge to go to to, to revisit it, you know. Um, But they always were sort of this kind of like, we're crazy, we're crazy, we're crazy. Look you how know? crazy we are. Yeah. And, and, and again, it gets into that weird prejudice of small differences. You know, a lot of the, a lot of bands of that era and well, a lot of rock bands are, mm. do, that is part of their, shtick, their, right? their shtick. We're crazy. Yeah. You know, otherwise we wouldn't be a, a rock band. And I don't know that I want to listen to someone that isn't kind of unselfconscious enough to be like, yeah, we're wild. Yeah. 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 I mean, for me, the, you know, I got into the Chili Peppers when I was like 14 or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was a quiet, shy kind of kid. And they were so sort of outlandishly exuberant um, right. that, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I sort of identify them with kind of personal liberation. You know, they were they were very open about their sexualities, bless them. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's uh, I've, always thought, I've always thought well of America for being willing to embrace such a homoerotic band. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, all right. Like this, those this, guys this, don't even own shirts. This, that's the thing. Well, so we should note that Tom has actually removed his shirt. Um, <laughs> but uh, the thing with their their sort of so called homoeroticism, it was it, it, the let's just let fuck it. Let's say it. The problematic aspect of it yeah. is that they were never actually like they were saying yes, we love each other. But they were never actually even implying they were they were gay. What they do is they say we're so macho and so confident in our manhood that we're going to kiss and it doesn't matter and it's cool and this that. And that which is nice on one level. On the other hand, it sort of gives forth this idea that there's there's something that's like you know inherently brave or or macho about yeah, like they men kissing more. as opposed to you know, a natural aspect of sexuality. Right. Mm. They could have been a little bit more like outwardly uh, for the cause, you know, yeah. or no, yeah. Or, or yeah. And, or, or made it less about their, like, you know, it was like to them, it was a lot of like kissing each other. It was a lot like putting a cigarette out on your arm, mm-hmm. you know, and, like I, how- and maybe I'm being a little unfair, but it's still, and, and, and again, there's something valuable to that in the time period, even in, in retrospect, it seems one way or the other, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's, those criticisms are completely fair. Um, when I was 14, I didn't really think sure. yeah, through it that yes. deeply. I was sure. just like, damn, these dudes are kissing. This yeah. is awesome. And I feel I so that, much better about myself. So, And I think there's a value to that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would, that, would, that I wouldn't attempt it. Well, clearly I'm attempting to take it away. <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, I live in Hoboken, New Jersey. And when my wife and I were looking for a place to live, we kept going to all these open houses. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Every open house we went to, every single open house we went to, there was one book without fail I would see on the book on the person's bookshelf. Scar and tissue. That was Scar Tissue, Anthony Kiedis' biography, which I've never read. Have you read it? I have read it. How is it? <laughs> it's quite a thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there are aspects of it that are certainly problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, dude has has lived. He's lived hard. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think he comes from an interesting background. Um, I think you know he had a pretty fucked up childhood growing up as the, the son of this sort of raving rock and roll lunatic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like the dirt, the Motley mm-hmm. Crue book in that you read it and you kind of marvel at it. And, yeah. and you think I'm very glad that I have not lived this life, even though it is sort of on face value, kind of entertaining. And, uh, you know, this dude has done some fucked up shit also. Apparently, at one point, HBO was going to adapt that book into it. This is true, into a TV series oh, really? about the young life of Anthony Kiedis. Wow. Written by the filmmaker John Sayles. I would, I would watch that in a second. Yes, I, I love think John Sayles. I Return to Seacock at Seven is a great movie. I think it's a strange combo. And I think the world, 
is much poorer place that I, that didn't happen. I, absolutely. Actually, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I would actually, of course, I'm visualizing it as Anthony Kiedis as like a very young man and sort of animated in that kind of like Animaniacs, like but him in the high school, <laughs> yeah. like with all the other Chili Peppers and like, uh, <laughs> but still written and directed by John Sayles. Wait, so like an animated series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah. would be amazing. Everyone like really lanky and yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. taking broad steps. I would, I would watch that. So, okay, so... Uh, what else, what else do you kind of listen to? Like, what, what are you planning to listen to on this trip? I know you'll be, when you're on the airplane and you know, like, it's a, what, five-hour flight to California? Yeah, it's not too far. Um, on airplanes, I tend to listen to, I tend to listen to Grouper. Yeah. Um, I listen to this girl, Motion Sickness of Time Travel, um, who is a sort of, I guess you would say ambient artist from Atlanta, Georgia, I mm-hmm. believe. She makes electronic music. Motion um, Sickness and Time Travel? Motion Sickness of Time Travel. I haven't heard of her. It's, um, it's from a William Gibson book, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, she's really cool. And, and, you know, I mean, I like her outside the confines of an aeroplane, but um, for whatever reason, I just tend to, you know, she's, she's one of my go-to people flying, and that's where I tend to listen to her the most. So, so yeah, you know, banging a couple of like Valiums or something and listening to motion sickness of time travel and hey, all of a sudden I'm like there. So do you, do you plan ahead what you're going to listen to or is no, it just, do you I just don't. scroll through your I don't, device? yeah. I just scroll through my device and see what I feel like, but you know, it often seems to land on her when I'm sitting on a plane. Do, do you think that that's the difference between uh, traveling by plane, you know, traveling by plane or traveling by car where yeah. people actually, you know, there's, you know, there's a whole ritual to like yeah, what totally. you're going to listen to in a car. Yeah. I mean... Do people still do that even the cars don't have tape players anymore? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I, certainly when, when I go, to, you know, uh, me and my girl, you know, we still actually have like a CD player mm-hmm. in uh, her car. Mm-hmm. Certainly. I don't, I don't have a car. Yeah. Nowadays, if you have like an uh, yeah, iPod yeah. or whatever or iPhone, like you just have to do your playlist and that's great. But for a while, like if you're going on a road trip with a lot of people, Either everyone had to agree on an album mm-hmm. or everyone got to take turns on yeah. an album. Yeah, sure. And there'd always be the one person who didn't like anything and like would just complain. And there's no pleasing anyone. Unless there's like, there's only a handful of albums like everyone in the car could always agree with. When and I the driver has to have veto. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, power. Yeah. Because they can't fall asleep. So what are some of those albums that everyone agrees on? Uh, like, so I went to, uh, from Florida, uh, the Queensland of America. Yes. And I went to college in Missouri and there'd be a lot of road trips back and forth, like mm-hmm. for summer or whatever. And me and my friends were like, oh, we'll go down to Florida, hang out at the beach or whatever. And there's, you know, we were a cantankerous group, didn't always agree on things. One album everyone could always agree on. And now we can admit they probably had a lot of problematic lyrics off. So it was the first <laughs> Violent Femmes album. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which you've written a great piece on before. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that album is fascinating. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And like on one hand, it's just very catchy folk pop songs about masturbation. You can kind of uh, scream along to, and then you get older and you realize, like, yeah, this guy is like the definition of the nerdy kid who didn't get laid in high school, grew up to be a little more like a little more suave, and still has a grudge against everyone. It's, it's like a window into Reddit, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a creep. It's a great record. And and he gets creepier as the albums go on. Yeah, and the albums sure. stay great. Yeah. yeah, I mean he is he is absolutely you know just like someone who if you if you think too hard about the lyrics, I mean or you think reasonably enough about the lyrics, mm-hmm. you know he's really kind of monstrous um, and like, unashamedly. And he's you know, like super Christian too, huh? Yeah, yeah, and 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 that is the the least of the problems. Yeah, right? seriously, it's, it's it's really just a like song after song after song. About following women. Yep. Yeah. And uh, killing women. And yeah. And they're they're still and they are still pushing little girls into and wells. Their second yeah. album, uh, Sacred uh, Sacred Ground, yeah. is like very underrated. I think overall, yeah, it's a great the album. Of things, but it's very much about his. He's Pentecostal, right? Gordon Gano. I I know he's Christian. I don't know yeah. what what variety it, thereof. It's very gospel. And if I remember correctly, reading the band almost broke up because they wouldn't record these songs. Because yeah, right. Record. Apparently, they wouldn't. They wouldn't put them on the first record, which is why there's no Christian songs on that record. Yeah. And then when they came to record the second one, he was like, right. Yeah. But if you listen to it, it's a, it's a fascinating album. Yeah, it really is. And the thing is, it was a really like one of the things that like it's, it, I mean, the first one, it was so popular. Mm. I mean, I was reading some sort of, which I won't get into, but there, I was reading some sort of review and I was talking about how it was, you know, such a weird record and people didn't know what to take about it. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to make, you know, 
legislate through anecdote, but it was massively popular. Like hmm. they, they, people sang those songs at pep rallies yeah. because they were songs that kids could really get into. Mm-hmm. So and, and like really relate to. Yeah, right? and they would tour with like they might be giants or whatever, you know. Yeah. And they would they were just a college rock band. So again, it gets in this weird thing where because critics love to romanticize things, you know, especially things that they like, mm-hmm. you know, people try and trying to like, oh, it's a really weird, crazy, and it is a crazy album. Yeah, but it was you know, it was a college rock record that was really, 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 really popular. Mm. Yeah, you know, I saw them a few years ago, and you know, they played all those songs, and you know, I guess for any band, it must be kind of weird to play songs that you wrote like 20, 30 years ago, but those ones especially, I would think, like uh, to, yeah. to be up there as like you know, <laughs> a fifty-year-old man singing like "Add It Up" or something. Yeah. yeah. Here, here's a song I wrote when I was a teenager about whacking off all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now I'll pay my mortgage. Yeah. yeah. Now that they're in their 50s, all the, all the songs are about women in, in their late 30s. So. <laughs> Which is an all year. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. okay. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, a fun thing not everyone might know is our, our good co-host, Zach, has been in several several uh, touring rock bands. When you were in the, in, the, in the van back in the day, what would you guys listen to? And is it always tough to agree on anything? Well, with, with us, it was very much the, the driver had that had more than veto power you know if, if the person's riding shotgun would could make suggestions and like put stuff on but it really had to be and one of the i mean we listened to a lot of garbage and we listened to a lot of stuff that we you know just, just sort of generic stuff that you'd expect and or try to find classic rock things the two things that stand out the most is um i actually got into against me because of the mm-hmm. van mm-hmm. um because our drummer jim paradise uh who had been in a lot of punk bands. He had been in Hell No and just into a lot of New York and Go and a lot of like New York City hardcore bands. He loved Against Me and he would play them. And, uh, you know, the first time I heard uh, Lauren Grace's voice, is Lauren or Laura? Laura. 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 Laura Grace's voice. I was like, this is, this sucks. This is so cartoonish. It's, this is like, because it was, it was. What um, album was it? Uh, searching for formal clarity. Okay. And, you know, the voice was so gruff and it was like a hardcore singer doing this sort of folk rock thing. Mm. And I was like, this is, no, this is, this is just ridiculous. And then of course, by like week three of touring, I was like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. This is, I can't stop listening to this. I love this mm-hmm. band. I love this. I love this band. I mean, it's a good thing you liked it. Otherwise, you probably would have like murdered your drummer. Right, 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 right. right. Well, yeah, well, he's, 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 he has a couple pounds on me, so I just would have <laughs> done, done what, did what I did for most of my rock career, sit in the back seat and sullenly stare out the window, <laughs> um, which I did either way. Mm-hmm. And um, so I remember listening to that, and that's actually, you know, that's great driving music. Yeah. Um, the, the, the big problem with being in a band is when everybody agrees on something and again, you're the one person who doesn't, and you don't want to be, unless you are, you know, a really sort of aggressive prick as opposed to like a passive aggressive prick, such as myself, (laughs) um, you don't really want to say anything, you you know, you want to, and you just act out later, but, um, they would listen to. David Cross stand-up stuff. Oh, and I don't know if anyone's listened to... St- yeah. David Cross is a great actor. Shut up, He's done good stuff. Maybe. His stand-up comedy is the least fucking funny stuff that has ever been recorded in the history of humanity. That's brutal. He man. is aggressively unfunny as a stand-up comedian because his stand-up comedy consists of approximately 12 hours of him saying, Christians are stupid. George Bush, what a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and it just goes on and on. And of course, everyone in my band, they, you know, they just like, it's hilarious. You know, it's, it's, and, and you know, you're your friends and you know, you're like, yeah, I agree. Your religion's bad. And which, which is, is terrible. You know, it kills a lot of you. It's bad. But I know that. I know that. Yeah. To, to, to the core, but it's not really specifically a saying. joke. Like, cause I, I, I had his stand up albums back in the day and you know, it, it, there's a time in my life when you just want someone to reaffirm your opinions because the world seems crazy. But you get older, it's like, I can't necessarily think of any jokes from those albums that, I, that like, there was not, there was not a single joke. It's just, I think us, I remember reading this where Seth Meyers, when he was like the head writer of Saturday Night Live, was always wary of clapter, which right. is like people clapping because they agree with you. And he was like, that's cheap. You actually have to make them laugh. Mm. And like, once I heard that from like, it really changed yeah. a lot of like how you are. It's like it's not enough to be like, 
we hate Trump. We hate this. It's like, no, you actually have to do art. Like, it actually has to work beyond, like, referring my opinions. Don't get me wrong. I love it when you flatter my worldview. I'm, I'm a sucker for that shit. We all are. Uh, I love it when you tell me, like, I'm a good person who sees the world great. Awesome. But you also have to have a good song or a good joke. Right. On a, on a similar note, actually, um, in oh God, about 2002, a good friend of mine and I took a road trip to Byron Bay, which is... Um, yeah, kind of like Northern California or something. It's like very pretty and on the beach and there's lots of kind of hippies there, uh, you know, which depending on how obnoxious you find hippies is, you know, varying levels of tolerable. But, um, you know, we, we agreed on music mostly, but um, my friend had just gotten into Jello Biafra's spoken word album. <laughs> oh, Lord in heaven. And insisted on playing this shit while we were driving. And, oh, my. Yeah, just, just being stuck in a car with you and your friend and Jello is... It's pretty brutal. That's, that's really intense. Yeah, I, I kind of liked. I, 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 on one level, I think I feel like I would actually have enjoyed that more, just because then it's sort of just because then you can kind of get into like you can both if you're both on the same page, then you can both like do your Jello impersonations, which I'm not going to do now. <laughs> but uh, just sound as whiny as possible. Yeah. So uh, you moved to America seven years ago. You said. Yep. Now, have I you did. always lived in the New York area? Uh, in America, I have, yeah. I moved to New York and just stayed here. So how much of, a, of the country have you actually seen before? I, I, before I came to New York, I hadn't seen any of it. Um, since I got here, I've seen a fair bit. Like, um, I was on this, this weird sort of... Um, I, I, I sort of moonlighted as a travel journalist for a while. Okay. Um, which is, like, the biggest fucking rot ever. Like, there is very little journalism involved you just get sent somewhere and write nice things about it but um mm -hmm. but you know i needed cash and i was like okay free trip to fucking pigeon falls tennessee why not yeah uh, i went to dollywood That's, oh wow what was that like it's it's weird because it's not weird like mm -hmm. i don't know you expect it to be like really kitsch and you know just kind of ridiculous but it's not at all it's like completely straight-faced Mm -hmm. It's all based on, you know, Dolly's Tennessee childhood. So everything's in sort of muted browns and greens. And she and... employs a lot of her family there. Yeah. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. There's, there's one little room which is like all Dolly's kind of dresses and stuff. And mm -hmm. that's amazing. Like that's, that's kitchen enough for the rest of the place. Sure. But, um, but the rest of it is just, yeah, very kind of serious. Like it was, it was a fun day, but it wasn't what I expected at all. That's interesting because she's, I mean, she is like one, an artist that has always sort of embraced, you know, she embraces those that are want to love her in a campy yep. way or mm -hmm. in, a, in yep. a kitsch way, you know, while still being, you know, one of the great singers of the second half of the 20th century. Yeah, absolutely. Know, just with a, you know, just such a pristine, pure voice and, mm. and 80% great choice in material yeah. and writing and stuff like that. Yeah. And every, I mean, I don't, I don't, it could just be, you know, something they're required to do, but it felt, you know, genuine in that everybody there talks about her just with nothing but love. Like, mm -hmm. they all adore her. Um, like, and it, it, it felt, you know, it felt nice. It didn't feel like, you know, somebody had a gun to their head and forcing them to say, Dolly's great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think I've heard, and this was something I have to research to confirm, but I heard that, like, if you grew up in her town or if you can prove you're related to her, she'll pay for your college. Really? Yeah, apparently she's extremely generous. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Now, what made, what made you move to America? Um... So I had a job um, editing an alt weekly in in Melbourne. Um, it's kind of, in a, kind of equivalent to the Village Voice, I guess. You know, just a thing you pick up to see what's going on around town on the weekend and, and read some feature interviews and some record reviews and stuff. So I did that for a couple of years, and it was it was great. It was fun. Like it was you know hugely important in my career. But um, eventually, you get to a point where you can kind of put out an issue in your sleep, and you're just doing the same thing week after week right. after week, and my then girlfriend and I had um, been to New York the year before on holidays. Like we got cheap flights and we're just like, damn, New York's fucking awesome, which everybody does when they first come here. Mm -hmm. And like it was spring and it was beautiful. And we're like, oh man, we totally love to live here. And, um, and the stars kind of aligned in that I'd saved some money with this job, but had also kind of gotten sick of it. And my girlfriend didn't have any, like she didn't have a job, so she didn't have anything to tie her down. And we managed to get journalist visas, um, which was a whole story in and of itself. And we were just like, fuck it, we'll move to New York. So, you know, we upped and moved here with about a month's worth of money and no idea whether we could make it work or not. And um, just kind of kept staying here um, until it appeared that we lived here. Yeah. 
that's another terribly romantic notion. It is. It really is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are things that, I don't know. I look back at them and they could easily have been terrible ideas. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, as it turned out, this one managed to, we managed to make it stick. So, so yeah. Now, uh, as a person who's not from here, but has now seen the country through this travel journals and about to go on this road trip, mm -hmm. has the way you view America changed? Yeah, absolutely. And how do you, how do you see it these days? Um, I mean, I think before I came here, I think, you know, like a lot of the world, I saw America in, in very kind of cliched, bold colors, you know, like guns and George Bush and fucking, you know, just, just, just all those kind of stereotypes. Um, which, you know, even if you're not one of these, like Americans are all stupid kind of people of, which, Christ, of yep. which there are many, um, it, it's hard to, to see a place in, you know, in detail if you don't have those details. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, you know, since I've lived here, I feel like I have a much more nuanced appreciation of the place. Um, I find it fascinating how, um, I find it fascinating how like it's two major cities are complete mirror images of one another, like polar opposites. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the South is something completely different again. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a strange, fascinating country. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, when you, so you say part of this road trip is going to be in Europe. You're going around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I've never actually driven through Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, what's a good road trip music when you're driving through Europe? Because I've never done it. So please, like, <laughs> give me some education here. Um, well, I would say good road trip music anywhere, but particularly in Germany is neu. Okay. Because that kind of like, I mean, you know, the music's called Motorik, right? Like, yeah. it's just this driving fucking beat that just goes bam, bam, bam. And it's, mm -hmm. it's like perfect for driving. So um, I, I didn't know Neu when we, yeah. when I first drove through Europe all those years ago, but I definitely know them now. And that is, that's definitely going to go on the stereo once, once we, once we hit Germany. Um, beyond that, man, shit, I don't know, like just. I don't think there's anything sort of specifically European, just, you know, just, just good driving music, eh? Yeah. Well, I, I like the, the choice of Neu because I do, I, I, again, not to take uh, principled stands where it's, it's entirely unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it, right. Um, but I do, I, I approve of, <laughs> of, of music that of when you're, I think there's two ways when you're, when you're setting up uh, road music, you know, regardless whether you're alone or with other people though i think mainly when we talk road trip it's obviously with other people um there's music that's sort of functional mm -hmm. like this is going to help me drive it's gonna be fun it's gonna be you know and that's where noi comes in it's a lot of other things like that and then there's the other kind which um well i certainly don't think ill of the people that do this except that i do um are the people that sort of make these playlists based on making memories right yeah mm -hmm. which is corny as shit yeah um but it's also just i mean i know people do it and i'm sure some, hey, some of my best friends do it yeah you know but it's uh and i think that but there's there's ways to you know it's sort of like oh you know these 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 like sort of planning ahead of i want to make sure i have the right song to listen to at the sunset yeah so I can look back yeah exactly and everyone else is singing yeah to and it's just planning ahead for this weird nostalgia and yeah, it's and yeah. it's 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 just uh I feel like if that happens fortuitously, like of course, no, no. I mean, you're going. The thing is, it's going to happen. Yeah, mm -hmm. fortuitously. And again, there's nothing really wrong with sort because of, you know it's your plan's going to change because that song's actually going to be playing when you get a flat tire and you know yeah. So, so it's, like, it's really it's okay. You have picked yeah. out this beautiful iron and wine song for when you want to hear see the sunset <laughs> in the golden hour, but really you'll listen to it when you're going through a bridge or you're going through like a tunnel you're stuck and in like traffic somewhere. Yeah. Traffic. You're going to get exactly what you deserve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I was thinking recently about um, how certain songs like i was back in australia when my mom died and just sort of packing up all this stuff and shit and it's fucking horrible experience i wouldn't wish it on anyone but um but i found a bunch of my old stuff that's been sitting in boxes since i first left australia to go and live in london like you know 15 no longer 20 years ago um and just how you know certain books i pulled out of these boxes would like remind me of certain songs that i'd been listening to over and over when i was reading this book or like certain video games would remind me of certain music and stuff and just just how music sort of is is very tied into memory and the emotions that go yeah. with those memories i think is really interesting yeah because if you look if something made an impact on you when you're young even if you realize when you're older that maybe the rush peppers have like their issues 
it's hard to say like I hate them now. Right. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And then of course you know then like then these memories you know it, they can make certain bands that it, the context the normal context of them is is entirely different. But of course the way you like I mean for me because I was living in the country and going through adolescence you know I have these very sort of like reverie you know nostalgic memories of the first Cypress Hill album. <laughs> oh wow. You know? <laughs> And, and, but, but, you know, which is nonsensical. Right. But, it's kind of awesome. Though. Yeah. But when I listen to it, I think of like, oh, the woods. I think of like Rolling like, Hills. Yeah. So. And like First Crushes. Oh, yeah, Cypress Hill. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a, now, uh, how for, I could just kill a man. <laughs> now, for the European part of the drive, uh, do you and your girlfriend, have you decided like what music you can both agree on for this or like you pick something, she picks something. Will there be any kind of conflict about what gets played? I don't think so. Um, like we've done road trips before and we have pretty similar taste in music. Um, we generally get on fine. I mean, you know, is there one thing that you, that you will always want to play that she, I mean, is there anything that like she absolutely hates or that you absolutely hate that she loves in um, terms of like, she, she's, there? she's very big on indie pop and I get a little tired of it. Sometimes he said diplomatically, um, sure, sure. But honestly, not like really. What, 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 I always get confused um, like, by the terms. So. Like the locksmiths and like... I've yeah, never, I've never even heard of the locksmiths. Say Twee. Okay. okay. From now? Is it contemporary? Um, they, they, they're not together anymore. They were together during the like 2000s. Oh, like my favorite or anything on Sarah Records? On what, sorry? Sarah Records. Sarah Records? Yeah, Sarah Records. Like everything from them in the late 90s was like very like... Or like Velocity Girl, like very twee. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, yeah. See, this is interesting because when you, again, indie pop is such like a, like, we're all talking about the same thing, but entirely different. Like, the, the, you know, there aren't, there aren't, you would think that there are certain like signposts that are like, okay, this is, this is indie pop, this is indie pop, this is indie pop. But really, there's so many different little like. I mean, it's, a, it's I don't know. That's a term that just means different things to everyone, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the thing is that I really like my favorite, but mm -hmm. I hate a lot of indie pop. Yeah, you know, it's I would I I for some reason I think of them as something else, but I don't know why. I would, you know. I don't know. Now, if you think you like to play that's banned from the car, and I say this as a person who, whenever I drive with my wonderful wife, uh, she has great taste, but she's not super in like super grindy, screamy stuff. Yeah. So like, if I ever try to throw on the nine inch nails, which like, if like you're getting tired, you need to pump yourself up on the fourth hour of the drive. Like the downward spiral gets it done, in my opinion. But that's just not going to be it. She's just like tearing her hair out like, in the passenger nope. seat. Yeah. Nope, none of it. Yeah, I think when I get to like multiple albums by the drones or something oh, wow. like that, then yeah. yeah. How about you, Zach? What, what, what's banned in the car when, uh, when the band was going on the road? What could you not get away with? Uh, I mean, most of the stuff that I really liked, they, nobody real, no one else really liked. I mean, there were certain things that, again, since the drummer did a lot of the driving, he and I had a lot of the similar taste in sort of melodic hardcore stuff. So we could listen to Peg Boy or Leatherface and things like that. And that was fine. But I liked, and I still like certain things, you know, like Dan Sartain, you know, things that you kind of just sort of drift your way if you're either a music critic or you're eventually going to end up as a music critic mm -hmm. that actual human beings don't give a shit about. Yeah. Um, and so there was a lot, you know, I think, uh, you know, nobody in the band ever wanted to listen to the Mekons in the van. Right. You know, I love that band and I love them unashamedly. And I know <laughs> there's other people, but even, you know, even other musicians, like they really are a band that people that are going to, you know, want to wake up one day and be a rock critic love. Yeah. Um, and I know there's other people that love them too. You know, they sell a place and they're great. And they're one of my favorite bands, but things like that. And just, I, I would play, I would put it on and they would just be like, this, you know, what the fuck is yeah, this? Yeah. What is this? Can we, can we please listen to against me? Yeah. <laughs> like take this off. I don't want to like get a job in an alt weekly. What are you doing um, to me? Yeah. Right. And I was like, I was like soon, soon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so it's interesting because so you're going on all these trips you kind of had these romantic notions that you're doing all this stuff, uh, but you don't like Bruce Springsteen. I don't dislike Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> um, it seems like if you wrap your alley, I mean, the yeah, open I, road, I don't, finding America. I, I I like some of his songs. Um, I very much like some of his songs. Okay. I think the river is like one of the best songs anybody's ever written. Um, I don't love him as much as a lot of people here seem to love him. And I think more than that, 
for me, he was always like someone that I kind of liked that I didn't expect anybody else to like, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I heard him through my parents' record collection in the 80s, you know, and um, he was just someone I assumed that like most people my age or younger would find just kind of lame. Um, and I think in, in Australia that was mostly true. So I was kind of surprised when I came here and everyone was just all about Bruce, you know. It's, he's also, he's a weird um, one for road trips. Because I, mean, I feel the same way that you do. Uh, I, I, I don't dislike him at all. And I think that's actually, you know, I think that that's a hot take I'm not even willing to take. Because mm. I, th- I, I, I think that there are certain songs by him that are just so good. Yeah. But I've never, I was never a huge fan. Yeah. And, um, but it's kind of like in the same way that, in a like playing the Pogues or Tom Waits or their placements in the bar, mm-hmm. using Bruce Springsteen as your road trip music is just so on the nose. Yeah, that why yeah. not? Why not just make a mixtape of like Wagon Wheel over and over and over again and <laughs> to hell with it? You know, just uh, you know, diversify the experience. In, yeah. or, or it's sort of like the memory, the memories that are being put on you can be so oppressive that you right. can't you can't even have your own feelings about driving through the cornfields because you have this guy telling you. Right. 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 As a bartender, how often do you, have you ever like banned like, Hey, no more Pogues, no more replacements, no more bar music. Well, you know, since I'm, I'm control of the music we're at the bar I work at now. So it's just not a problem. And generally if someone asks for something like that, you know, I'll, I'll play it, you know, if I'm, if, if they're nice and they're tipping and et cetera. But, uh, um, and I've actually recently violated my no pogues rule just because, uh, rum sodomy in the lash was stuck in my head and it's such a good album, it uh, though not for whatever 16 songs is whatever, it's on the <laughs> CD, but for about eight songs, it's perfect. And then, uh, we, but at the jukebox at Mars bar, you know, we definitely, we had a skip button behind the bar and you would, we, we, we used That's it. That's awesome. We used yeah. it all the time and would pretend people bumped into the jukebox. And the <laughs> only time we would really skip, use it all the time and this is not, this is specific to this bar and a lot of bars, but I don't, I'm not, I don't know if it's a, an anti uh, this band uh, rule about bars, but holy shit, if I had heard Raw Power one more time, <laughs> wow, I, you know, all the bartenders, you know, because, you know, we, Mars Bar was very much a, a place for people in decline and people <laughs> love to die to like, every song on that record. Yeah. And I think the, the thin production sort of helps replicate like their last moments. Wow. And, uh, so For those who don't that. know, the Mars bar was this very legendary CD punk type. It was a shithole in New York. Uh, very, very strong drinks though. Yeah. Yes, we definitely uh, had strong drinks. That, ne- not necessarily what the bottle said, but mm. it was, they were, we, they, we poured a lot of it. Yeah. I went there once and once only. Um, in like 2009 when my girlfriend and I, my ex-girlfriend and I were on holidays here before we came to live here. And, um, yeah, we just sort of stumbled in there and we we're like, oh, this place is cool. Like, you know, the toilet is fucking horrendous. Well, we didn't have locks um, on the toilet because yeah, if, if people yeah, OD'd, we needed to be able to bring, them, bring, bring yeah. them across the street and then call the police. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we had, we had one drink each and sort of staggered back out into the world and the world was very different yeah the only the, uh, the you know i you know we the, the, they would switch the the booze all the time which was you know fine and it's not entirely uncommon but uh once when i was working people were like these two customers they were very nice about it. they're like listen and i'm not trying to cause a problem but like this is not jameson and i was like oh no no it's jameson they're like no no it's not it's not, it's, it's like seriously not trying to get money back i just want a different drink it's not jameson and I was like, no, no, I think it is. And they're like, and, you know, and I knew that it was probably well whiskey, you yeah. know, and the maker's mark was never maker's mark. Or people would actually always insist on the maker's mark because you could see them yeah, twist yeah, the yeah. thing yeah. off. Mm-hmm. But I was like, all right. And they're like, please just take a sip of it. And I was like, all right. And I took a sip and it was tequila. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. So sorry about that. Uh, so one thing I've always, I've, I've talked to a lot of bands who like toured, the world and one thing i know about australia is it's very hard to get around right don't you i know touring bands at least usually have to fly from city to city right i mean it's just a long way it's, it's just a big country yeah so yeah i mean if you're driving from from melbourne to sydney that's gonna take you you know 12 hours yeah have you ever done any road tripping through australia yeah. yeah 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 um so yeah the the jelly bay Africa trip um <laughs> involved about eight hours of driving to byron bay um and like 
lot, lots of questionable substances that I probably shouldn't mention here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was quite a, um, it was, it was quite an experience. Um, beyond that, I haven't done a heap. Um, like this, the classic sort of Melbourne or the classic Australian road trip is driving across the country. So like Melbourne to Perth and that's just driving through like days of nothing. Mm-hmm. Like there's just, there's just the desert and nothing else. Yeah. Like, um, I, I used to work in the construction industry for a while and um, my old boss, who was, who was my friend's dad, who I worked for, had this great story about driving across the country at one point and it was, you know, him and his friend and a bottle of whiskey and they kind of got too drunk to drive after a while so they picked up this hitchhiker. Oh, wow. And, and let know, him drive? Let him drive. Oh, yeah. got, got more and more drunk. They That's both cool. kind of passed out and woke up the next morning and the hitchhiker had been getting into the whiskey as well and... They just... You had one job, hitchhiker. Yeah, you had one job, and they just driven straight off the road into a sand dune, and that was where they work up. So I'll start wrapping it up. Uh, so this... <laughs> by the way, it's about, yeah, 1.30. Fine. Uh, no, uh, so you're, going, you're starting this road trip in July, mm-hmm. and it'll just, like, end when it ends? Yeah. That's really interesting, because so you'll just kind of, like, at some point, either run out of money, yep. run out of patience. Yep. Or you'll have gotten whatever experience you want out of this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. What is it you, you think you might get out of this? And um, I mean, the, the first part of it, at least, um, I just want. I mean, you know, without going into to too much detail, like, you know, I've been working hard for a lot of years and I haven't been particularly healthy and stuff. So, yeah, and I've, I've always been a person in my life who's never been like particularly sick or anything like that. So um, to just have sort of ongoing health issues has been kind of, kind of unpleasant. So, so yeah, I just want to hold up somewhere and not work and, and just sort of take care of my body and, and get back to being, you know, somewhere near healthy again. Um, and then beyond that, um, once we get to Europe, like my girlfriend's never really been to Europe before. I've, I've, you know, traveled around a fair bit. There's just heaps of stuff I want to like, you know, do with her and show her and yeah. experience with her and stuff. So, um, so yeah, just, just all that, um, to just, you know, and just to see how much places have changed since I was last there 15 yeah. years ago and shit. Um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, I mean, I think, you know, if we go on, we go on road trips in search of experiences, right? Right. So you're looking at sort of as a restorative thing. Yeah. Cool. So I guess we'll end it off with, let's go around the table and say one song that's always like when you're traveling, like one of your go-tos. And if this ends up being cheesy, we'll just cut it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I, this is the, the one sort of cheat that I always had back when we used to listen to tapes, mm-hmm. you know, um, and this is, this is, this goes against every single thing I've said in terms of manufactured memories, in terms of instant nostalgia. Um, this is my, my, my humanizing moment. Um, always would have the dazed and confused soundtrack. Okay. Just because it was so fucking easy mm-hmm. and it was just like, okay, there, this is, we have, we've got, we got their memories. We got our memories. We got whatever's happening now. It's good for driving. Um, so, yeah, my my I, I stand by that. Cool. The dazed and confused soundtrack. I'm a hypocrite. Um, on a similar tip, actually, like you know, <laughs> yes. memories, nostalgia, and all that. You you really can't go wrong with um, there's an Australian band called the Triffids, um, whose song "Wide Open Road" is like probably the best driving song ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a memory. I was in college. As, and as white college kids were prone to do, I was in love with the Radiohead album, OK Computer. Yes. Uh, Jesus. I know. I know. I'm terrible at his act. It's a great album. Yeah. And the very last, I was Jesus. flying home. <laughs> one of the first ones flying home by myself. I was already like nervous because I was like in college and the world was freaky and strange. And, like the airplane was like kind of like rattling and going like up and down like the, uh, as it happens. And I was listening to the song. Uh, I think it's Lucky. Where he, where he, Tom York is like, pull me out of the airplane. Yeah, it's lovely. And I, I was like grinding my fingers into the, uh, into the armrest. And strangely enough, as I was getting more nervous about it, it started to relax me. Mm. So now like if I'm on an airplane and I'm just having a shitty time, I find queuing that up just does something to my serotonin levels. It's like, see, this is like the worst possible version of it and you're not in that. So you'll be okay. 
And that's kind of one of the things we turn to music for. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think this might be a good time in that. Tom, thank you for your time. When you, uh, when, Thanks, Tom. Yeah. When you are, uh, if you come back to New York, please let us know how and when. We'd love to check in with you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will definitely be back here at some point. So Cool. And, and thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you uh, for listening. This has been the Words Guitars Podcast. We do the reading series the third Tuesday of every month. Zach and I at the bar Hi-Fi, the best bar in New York. And uh, hope to see you there. Thank you. Thank you. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!